We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Feel like Kobe in the fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. After a slight rain delay, I am <laughs> joined by Britt Robson Sunday afternoon rather than Sunday morning. Uh, Britt, you wrote a big old column on Chris Finch. I think as, I mean, it came out on Friday, but now we are 30 games into the Chris Finch era. The Timberwolves, yes. after a win against the Jazz... On Saturday night are 10 and 20 under Chris Finch. They actually played 31 31 games under Ryan Saunders. They were 7 and 24 under Saunders. It's this whole weird dichotomy where it feels extremely different. The results don't, last night withstanding, don't look that different. Um, You really laid it all out there. How much are you feeling that this is similar versus different where's your head on it and does the last night's win against the jazz shift anything um last night's win against the jazz doesn't shift anything because any team you know let's see them win two in a row under chris finch right you know and then you know maybe uh we'll think about it what if they win um, two in a row against the jazz what if that's what happens well actually they have 
No, I mean, but but if they win on Monday, that is true. <laughs> oh, I see. If they win Monday, right? Well, that'll be even crazy. If they win three in a row against the Jets. My God. Uh, here's what I would say, notwithstanding that. I think the biggest difference, as I pointed out in the piece, isn't so much wins and losses and X's and O's. I think the difference is kind of like the teen growth or spiritual equivalent of paying a mortgage rather than paying rent. I think that Saunders was always a short-term transitionary thing, and you don't take care of your house or your living quarters as well when you're paying rent as when you're paying mortgage. And Finch is the mortgage, Saunders was the rent, and uh, Gerson Rosas wanted it that way because he wanted total control, I think, until... Total control got him in a very bad place. Well, he is the landlord. And then, yeah, exactly. Then he wanted somebody who was a handyman, Chris Finch. Lonzo, kill this analogy. (laughs) Yeah, let's Uh, see how far we can go with it. (laughs) (laughs) But so anyway, I think that um, Finch is the more permanent option. The players know that. I mean, the players aren't stupid. We could kind of figure out. You said when I said to you, you know, Saunders won't be here at the end of next year. You know, I mean, that was optimistic that he would last three years. Um, Whereas Finch, if Finch is gone at the end of two and a half, three years, it's going to be somewhat of of an upset. Right, exactly. So I think that the permanence, I think that um, it's almost like the equivalent of, all right, it's time to get serious about this rebuild. It's time to dig in now because we don't, you know, we've we've screwed around on playtime, and playtime has begun to really hurt our chances to play much longer and also to build something meaningful. And so that, to me, is the biggest difference, is that it, no, no disrespect to Ryan Saunders, who I, I've always said I think is a better coach than a lot of people think he is, but the very reasons why he got the job – which was that he's an exceedingly generous and nice person who can therefore relate to players on a pretty extraordinary level also is the type of thing that's going to hold him back when it comes time to putting the hammer down, saying who plays who in crunch time minutes. And also quite frankly, in dealing with, with uh, Rosas, Rosas knew what kind of a guy Ryan was. And, um, Rosas also knew who held the balance of power in that relationship. And now I would argue that now I would argue that Finch arguably has close to as much power as Rosas does. Uh, maybe even arguably more since um, he didn't engineer some of the things that as of now, anyway, look like mistakes. Well, and he, so, they can go back and forth of if they wanted to go with a power battle, they could. And right. and I would be inclined to point to you know the notion that if like Rosas can't Finch has more power because you know Rosas can't really do anything about Finch right like he can't he can't threaten right. the card of firing him because Rosas doesn't have another bullet in the chamber to fire. He expended a lot of things to All get it. that you know midseason hire. Yeah, you know All rating the Raptors organization right. Yeah, that's gone. So the you know, but and and this is now if we're setting up for what a power struggle could be. Now, Rosas could start 
if he just for some reason, for example, wanted Jared Culver to be playing 30 minutes a night, you know, he could trade the whole, he could get rid of all the other wings on the roster and stuff. I mean, that's hyperbolic, but we have seen examples of that in the past, past, like the hope is that this is going to be more synergistic, but less, you know, less of just the overarching hand of Rosa's. I think, I think Rosa's started to really enjoy the power and that the power is too much. And in ways, like, tell me if you agree with this. Like, we we all, it's 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 widely regarded across the league now that it's bad if the coach and president are, the, are one and the same, right? It's why Tibbs was right. fired. It's why Stan Van, you know, everyone. They don't, right. you don't see that right. anymore. Some very good people lost their jobs because they couldn't do both. And, and obviously, Rosa's wasn't, actually the coach but he kind of was both like he he had so much power so many strings that seemed connected to ryan saunders that even if gerson rosas was a very smart executive which you and i believe he was he might have been inhibiting himself in ways by taking on to holding too many strings if it's true that guys can't do all that i mean and even more than that he unintentionally undermined Ryan's authority on the sidelines. I mean, if the players probably knew if somebody really had a problem with Ryan and they were powerful enough, they could perhaps have their agent go right to Rosas. And I'm not sure Ryan had the cachet and the, and you know, the internal clout um, short of cat. I think cat is probably the only person that, um, uh, could have basically intervened in the right. thing and said, Hey, you know, back off and let this guy coach, or, you know, not even that so much as it is the perception, let the, let the perception be at the very least that what this guy wants to do is what will happen. For example, you and I both kind of knew that Ryan was intrigued with McDaniels much earlier sure. than what happened. Um, I think he wanted McDaniels in the starting lineup uh, earlier. It's sort of seeing, you know, when he did, man. I mean, that's it was kind of like, you know, it's kind of like the uh, uh, when somebody is yelling help in sign language because they're being held hostage. These little pressers we'd have, we talk about McDaniels, mm-hmm. and he'd say, "Yeah, you know, I'd say, are you going to be?" There was one question I asked him: How long is it going to be before you have to start McDaniels in the starting lineup? He goes, "Yeah." That's a, that's a good question. You know I mean? It's like, and you're only the coach, you know? So I mean, maybe you could do it if you wanted to, if you wanted to. Okay. So, so let me, let, let's go to this. We're, we're, we're acknowledging all these differences between Saunders sure. and Finch and, yeah. and you know, if, if I'm being honest and particularly if the Utah game went to happen last night, which was, I went into big time last night. It was, and we'll talk about it. It was good across the board as impressive an event performance this year as the Wolves have had all year like credit to that but I was expecting a loss and and Mm -hmm. I was expecting to have this conversation with you as I'm reading your column going through it to say that man I see a lot of similarities in result between what Chris Finch was doing and what Ryan Saunders was doing if we just look at the the numbers wise and now Finch got his 10th win but 10 and 20 for Finch 7 and 24 for Saunders those aren't drastically different Ryan Ryan only had eleven games of Carl Anthony Towns. Finch had twenty has had twenty eight games. Only two with Towns and Dilo. Exactly, and we've had nine of right. Oh no, uh, 
11. Nine. I think it is nine. Well, actually seven because right, Towns right. missed two games. Exactly, of, of them. So so Finch has gotten more. And then if you just go down to how the offense ranks and the defense ranks, it's basically the same too. I mean, under Finch, they're 17th in offense and dead last in defense. And under Ryan, they were 28th in offense and 24th in defense. So, right. yes, they've ticked up under Finch offensively some, but the defense has got demonstrably worse. In- yeah, the, the net rating is slightly worse, probably even after Utah, which was a very impressive win, but it was only a five-point win. Minus the, eight the under net- Ryan, minus 7.1 under Finch. So, Oh, that's what they have the net rating as there? That's yeah. non-crunch time, right? That, uh, non-garbage that's your, that's time. You're cleaning the, that's yeah, cleaning yeah, the okay. glass. I mean, but okay. functionally, you know, the right. same, a it's little bit similar. better right. under Finch. Right. And and you include garbage time, and Ryan's net rating is actually better. Is that uh, so? Yeah. Oh. I think that's so. Six, seven, Either seven, way, they're, one. They're, they're, yeah. they're 50 anyway, cents one yeah. way, half a dollar. Yeah, I think terrible, uh, both of them. <laughs> they're both, those are both right. terrible it's ratings. Like, uh, 5.8 points per hundred possessions uh worse on defense and 5.1 mm. uh better on offense right for finch so but what it comes down to again is finch is able to put some things in place if ryan uh had tried to use large lineups or tried to basically uh tell anthony edwards or d'angelo russell you're not playing the fourth quarter of the night because of what I've seen thus far, not only from you, but from guys who are out there now playing better. Um, I just think that uh, what I see, the difference, the biggest difference, again, remains somebody can do what they want almost 100%, and somebody could do what they want probably about 55 to 60%, mm. with that 40% being perhaps the most controversial and thus creative ideas. Right. Um, a coach needs to find out if his creative ideas are bullshit or perhaps there's something there. And I think in many respects that is, you know, we're all guessing here. I, I don't have, you know, Ryan Saunders isn't talking to me behind the scenes or anything. Or Rosa certainly isn't. So, I mean, it's, it's essentially, uh, what I gather from watching the games and, you know, what we saw in the like help videos of the, uh, the uh, zoom calls from Ryan. Uh, (laughs) I do think that he doesn't have um, the same freedom. didn't have the same freedom. Finch does. Finch is a very smart guy. Uh, When I hear Finch talk about things, I I could, I could hear him talk, you know, long time. He really does. I like the way he flows offense into defense and vice versa and gives you thumbnails on players. There's certain ways he does things. Obviously, he leaves some things out. He leaves out the negative stuff when he's talking about players. But he does give you really good, um, you know. Insight. Insight into that. I I thought last night um, what was really revealing to me, for example, and Cat kind of threw cold water on this, but I still don't believe it. If they were running a drop-back scheme, they would not have been able to play nearly the same kind of defense. Oh, let's tee this up here. Let's tee this up here. <laughs> so, yeah, that was wrong. So Britt asks Carl last night about whether or not this adjusted way that the Timberwolves are playing defense has, one, improved them, and two, 
whether or not it's sustainable, right? That was your question. Right. Well, what I said was, was the kind of play we saw tonight against Utah, mm -hmm. where they were backfilling for you, Okogie just got through telling us. Aston One of the Finch, things that was, yeah. was triggering everything is we were backfilling on the pick and roll. Mm-hmm. And that got every, and we had practiced the entire time knowing Gobert likes to roll. So whenever Gobert rolls, somebody's got to be there for him on the roll. So they were. McDaniel's was, Okogie was, you know, they were there for him. And what was the best part of it was that the other players knew. So they had some advanced notice on their rotations, which I think was crucial. But sure. they started to fill in other people's gaps. Yeah, it's a and it's then, your classic scramble. It's your classic scramble out and and switch X out. That's the term you'll hear coaches say exactly, all the time. Exactly. It is so Toronto. That is that is like that is the Toronto Raptors to a T. That is the defensive style the Timberwolves have put in under Chris Finch. And at times it looks really good. In the aggregate, it's bad. It, the numbers are yeah. are worse than solid is enough, and all that. And what Britt you asked to Carl was you know. Is this better? And what Kat said is, is no, we need to also have the, the solid is enough there. And, and, you know, maybe there's some truth to that, but I think that's a classic example of Carl not wanting to indict himself for not being a great drop center. Because what we're learning, and I mean, if you talk to coaches around, you talk to people who right. know what they're watching, is for years, Kat is, is passable in a drop when engaged. He can be fine there, right. but he's right. not 7-2 like Embiid. He just isn't the physical. Right, yeah, right. he just isn't the physical presence in that way. But on the counter side of it, what we've learned about Cat and wildly positive is his ability to guard on the wing. He is right. he is able to play this X out scheme. He is able to switch pick and rolls. You can have him guard. I mean, I thought in the King series, it was crazy, man. Like you have the Wolves playing Cat and Nas out there together. Mo Harkless is guarding Nas Reed. They're going, the Kings are going tiny, small ball, and Cat is guarding DeLon Wright. That is his matchup, his primary <laughs> matchup. DeLon Wright, like, came into the league as a point guard. Like, th this is, they have, com they have completely switched, and it's helping Carl. He's, he's, he's better at this. He's better at a mixture of it, but I think. And he likes it. He, it fits his self-image better, but until you ask him a question that, you know. That it might indict him. It indicts him. See, and I thought, let, let me just, yeah, you know, what's okay. crazy about this is that, I thought he would be pleased by it because it means he gets to be out on the perimeter. I thought he thought, you know, it would be, Hey Carl, I'll tee one up for you. And he's going, well, we do, you know, and he, what he did is he played his maturity card, you know, which is a cool card. He can play for the first time in his career this year, but yeah, anyway. legitimately he can. It, yeah. It's, he's a hard one to get honest X's and O's answers from because he will stray away from agreeing with anything that doesn't line up with results. And all, I mean, it's, and also I think that, uh, he's not very he, honest in that way. He isn't, he doesn't want to answer the question posed to him. He wants to figure out the prism by which that question gets put in right. and what kind of gamma rays come out the other end. And he wants to basically figure out the best, answer lighting on those i know that's why it just cameras. is all we can't take x's no stuff away from that if he wants to do that that's his prerogative 
He right. is he's gonna do it. I don't even want want this to be a bag on Carl thing because I think no. Carl's been good. And defensively Carl's he's been, been good. I right. have loved I mean, I was going through last but night. But it was a disingenuous answer. And yeah. well, also what's cool about it is I'm pissed we gave it air. I actually am. <laughs> because Well, I kinda I, I'm glad we gave it air because it's something that um people are wondering you know, Finch is, you know, People are what wondering the what they think. He's, they're not be, That's if it's not what he thinks, then it's not. Uh, some people are probably like this, the this conversation. They want to know Chris Finch. Where's the defense? Yeah. You know, we're at 118. Well, here was the defense, and the defense happened because there was a way to defend Rudy Gobert that wasn't a drop back scheme that energized the entire team. So whether it will work all the time, and clearly it doesn't. And that's what I'm saying. That's the truth. Like, that's the truth. Right. That's the fact of the matter. You, once you put Carl's input into that, it just right, muddies right. the waters of confusion. Right. The results are we right. can all watch basketball good enough to understand that if the Wolves would have continued defending the way they did in the first quarter. I mean, what were the first two shots of the game? The first two shots of the game was Gobert sets a screen for Ingles. Cat is back at like 14 feet. Ingles, who's shooting 49.4% from three, just gets, Okogi gets pinned on the Gobert screen because Gobert's an elite screener. And right. uh, Ingles pulls up for a wide open shot. Like that's what happened in the whole first quarter. They scored 40 points. It's because that's how they right. defended it. It's a Nine terrible 15 way from three. It's right. a terrible way to right. guard the Utah jazz. It makes no sense. It was a, that was a terrible move by Finch to start off that way. Now it was a very good adjustment and the results matched up with it. They scored 56 points in the next three quarters, but that has been the problem with that scheme all along is that, it only works situationally, and and you can't make it your you can't make it your bread and butter unless Cat is in bead or Gobert or whatever, and he's just not. He's not right. defensively those type of players. So this is the new style. And this is the new it style. It also freed up Edwards, and even D'Lo played good defense the other. And they all played good defense the last three quarters of the game. Jordan McLaughlin was filching things left and right in his five minutes. I mean, but are we ready to crown this? That's what I'm talking no, of about. Not. Well, I mean, again, are we ready to say anything is a sure thing on this team? Carl Anthony Towns is a marvelous offensive player. Mm -hmm. Jade McDaniels is a burgeoning uh, glue guy. One of those guys that every really quality team has. The starter that people don't really know that don't follow the team, but is incredibly important. It's Royce O'Neal on yeah. the Jazz, you know. It's that guy, you know, Gary Harris for a long time in Denver was that guy. Um, we have a guy like that now. Uh, and I think that's something you can kind of take to the bank. He's had some ups and downs, but everybody does. Uh, Cats offense, I think you can take to can the I bank. Can I pause you I on McDaniels they... for a second? Sure. Because sure. I think this is like, as we, your computer wasn't working, so we stopped for a while <laughs> today. And I, I went, you know, I went to the grocery store and then I came back and I'm like, well, all right, I'm just going to start. I found this my defensive rating is horrible. I, right? I I found my way into a rabbit hole, and yeah. and and yes, there's that. But one thing that you and I have talked about before this season, specifically to the Cat and Covington pairing, was that we both loved Rocco as an individual defender, but we right. came to the conclusion that Rocco at the four, next to Cat at the five, just was not a good utilization of those resources and it checked out in the numbers the per, the player cat played with the most last year 
the most minutes of anyone on the team was Robert Covington. And it was Cat's worst defensive rating on the team. Right, right. And we kind of take that, took that to the bank to some degree. Yeah, yeah. Bruising power forward, we always said, or your position, a center, um, (laughs) (laughs) would be the answer. And I do think he needs a a guy who's very physical. Okay, so. And that's not McDaniels. That's not McDaniels. And and Cat has played 650 minutes with McDaniels this year, which is up there. That's his third most of anyone on the team. It's not a small sample. And far and away, Cat's worst two-man pairing defensively this season is him and McDaniels, just as it was with Covington. And and I don't want to be hypocritical here and say I believe the Covington numbers and I don't believe the McDaniels numbers. The McDaniels numbers don't meet my eye test, but I've blabbered about that Covington and Cat pairing. Well, the not Covington numbers didn't meet my, my eye test, but the fact of the matter is is that they do perform in in – very similar fashion mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the fact they have great hands, that they don't play to block shots a lot. I mean, almost all of McDaniel's shot blocks are weak side blocks mm-hmm. uh, or basically following along. Um, They're more like aggressive contests. Exactly. And so uh, I don't have any problem saying that that is something that has to be worked out. I would also argue that to me, the best number to determine whether defense works or doesn't work with a group is three, because if two people do something right Mm -hmm. and that one guy in the play doesn't do something right, that can really screw with the two people who did do something right. If three people do something right, most of the time the offense has to go in another direction. They have to go attack the defense elsewhere on the court. And so I like the triple numbers sometimes of people, not that it would necessarily, you know, I don't know if it'll make a difference because the problem is the Wolves don't have a lot of great other defenders. Well, that's what I was going to say is. Okogie McDaniels and Cat, what's that look like? Okogie McDaniels, um, 112.6. Since Finch took over, which is, you know, that's basically so all the time. So when you have like a three guys on the court at the same time, you know, those, those yeah. are arguably those guys can really get after it together, you know. Mm-hmm. Then again, I would say, I'll actually come right out and say, I think those are the three best defenders on the team right now. Oh, yeah. So if it's you have your easy. three best defenders, if you have your three best defenders on the team and your rating is 112.6, you still have a lot of problems. Right, but uh, it's all relative here because yeah, exactly. the, the most You're used like ones... 117. Or yeah, Towns, McDaniels, Edwards is 120.8. Towns, McDaniels, Rubio is 119.7. You know, those are yep. those are the most used. So so I guess the, the thing that I've been flip-flopping on, and I admitted to it on the on the pod last night, was like, after that, that Sacramento win... Um, and right. I say win in air quotes here. Right. Uh, like the Houston win. Yeah, exactly. Right. You know, I just, I just kind of, I kind of felt bad about it because it's only like the 15th post game podcast I've been able to do the whole year of a of a win. But right. honestly, my feeling of it was gross. Like that, I, I don't see value particularly at this juncture of the season in the Wolves winning a game the way they won it against the Kings like that, where it didn't really 
you know, it didn't feel like you were building any sort of habits that will connect to the future. The defense was atrocious. And so the thing I've been flipping back and forth on, what I said then is I was like, man, this isn't worth, like, even though Akogi, McDaniels, and Cat all do look like above average defenders, this whole theory of trying to balance the scale with you have your terrible defensive guys, but if we throw a couple of Akogi and McDaniels out there, it's going right, to balance right. it out. I'm like, no, it isn't working. It isn't balancing the scales out. And I do think that's that's still true. But why I flip-flop is, you know, we saw three quarters of it last night where you go, all right, I do kind of see the outline. Like, if a Kogi is... But again, what you have is you have the two guys mm-hmm. who pretty much have their, their variation, their play off the play, you know, being rotation guys... The thing about rotations is you usually have to recognize them. You mm-hmm. have to see. It's like Gogi Jang always used to say, yeah, the X's and O's are great on paper. When they're on the court, they're not really X's and O's. They're <laughs> just people moving around, yeah, you know? Right. And so, but if you're saying backfill on a Gobert roll, that means that guy's open. You got to go to him. That means that guy's open. You got to go to him. Everybody's got to switch down or whatever. If you know the play is coming because you see Gobert rolling, mm-hmm. that's why all five guys – played good defense because they knew what to do on a string countering a team's offensive move. How often has that happened this year? Very, very rarely have you seen the Wolves defense react in mass properly to a wrinkle that gets thrown at them by the other team. And I also will say that Utah did miss a lot of makeable threes in the second half. And if they had hit those, yeah, they lose. I'm not sure the rotation would have happened as aggressively as it did. Once they started to go pick and roll with Gobert, part of that was because they were missing on threes. If they were making those threes, um, both Utah would have stayed with the threes a little bit more and the Wolves would have been staying home a little bit more. They would have had. They would have lost faith in the string of the hold. You know, holding on to the string. Probably exactly. So it's a, always you know the thing about judging defense is it's so you know mm-hmm. it is one of the places where I do trust my eye test. I trust my eye test on defense more than I trust my eye test on offense because the offensive numbers are more accurate Clean, yeah. than the defensive numbers, in my view. You know. Who knows? I could be wrong, too. No, it, it's... What a thought. <laughs> it is interesting, though. Specific, like, Utah is a, is a fascinating one to go against because, as again, as Akogi said last night after the game, he's like, when you play Utah, you know they are going to run more pick and roll than any other team any other night. So you can kind of focus on your basic defensive theory. You go into every possession as a defender. If you're Josh, you, you're running down back on defense and you're thinking... I just need to contain the point of attack right now. If you're Jaden McDaniels, you're going, I need to be intentional. I know Gobert's going to hit that screen and he's going to roll. I have to come in and tag. You know, Cat, if you drop it, whatever Cat's coverage is in that situation. You right. know that when it's more than, call it more than 50% of the time that's going to happen, it's right. easier. And this is, this is kind of a, you know, a jazz thing too of like why I think they might be a little susceptible in the playoffs Right. Is, That's what I thought actually. Is predi- is predi- predictability in that sort of way, but but I I, I thought it was int- and also they do kind of live and die on their threes. Sure. I mean, I, all of a sudden, I want to go to the Jazz in a second. Like 
big picture okay. about what they're what they're yeah. like as a as I'll a try contender. to stop interrupting. No, 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 no. I I just thought it was really <laughs> it was really interesting how you saw Josh commit to what his job was. You saw right. Cat commit to his job was. I thought McDaniel's was terrific in the tag on Gobert. Like, and and what that is is like, and I don't. I mean, I I don't mean to talk down to people who don't understand this or do understand this, but like, tagging a role man is is a, an extremely important part of pick and roll defense. And it's, it's something that really sucks to do when you don't weigh 200 pounds or you're shorter than six foot five, because right. you are basically being tasked with running in and hitting a seven foot tall, 280 pound guy to, so as to like get in the way of their path to the rim. And what we see happen time and again in tag situations, when it's Anthony Edwards or D'Angelo Russell is they kind of just See you later. they just, they're missing an action. Well, they like they literally just tag like they're playing tag, and they they touch right, his right. hip, you know. Right. They pet the jersey. What you need to right. do is, you know, you hear coaches say you need to hit and go, and right. and you know, and that's why the wolves will, the wolves will forever be bad at defense until D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards up their physicality defensively. If they're going to be thirty-five minute a night guys, because that is going to be that's going to be part of it. De- offensive That's exactly right preventing That's offensive right. rebounds is going to be part of it too and mcdaniels has that even though he weighs less than all those guys right, by right. by far it's just it's a critical part to this to this whole thing that is pick and roll defense which is the most defining thing in it's the NBA most defense. important part of defense right now uh especially if you don't have a rim protector and anthony edwards never does it he I thought it was interesting. He, he talked about last night. He was joking around about being a football player. And he said if he was a football player, he'd be like Cam Chancellor, but he wouldn't be as hard of a hitter. And I'm like, yeah. He, right. I mean, if I knew who Cam Chancellor was, it would have been a great analogy. I mean, he's just like a strong safety. He's like a knock-your-head-off safety, like ah, okay. hit you. And, and what we've seen with Edwards this year is he's not, he's not a physical – he doesn't like physical contact particularly on the defensive end and on the right. offensive end, he's starting to embrace it a little bit more. His preferred right. lane to take though, is just dunk over you or shoot over you, you know? And, and also he does have some great Euro step switch hand mm-hmm. bank, you know, I mean, which again is somewhat uh conflict, conflict avoidance. Um, I would say that Ant welcomes, um, contact much more on offense because he knows he'll get to the line and he'll get points. He, he sees reward paid. in it. That's the thing. He, gets paid, he doesn't right? see exactly. reward. He doesn't see reward in tagging the role man. He doesn't see reward right. in boxing. Somewhat, that is a rookie. That's a rookie talking. I mean, I do think or a rookie play. Mm-hmm. Um, once, you know, Finch knows this. I mean, this is actually yeah. uh, a good thing. I think, I think Ryan knew it too, but I think again, Finch gets to, uh, you know, reinvigorate Okogi. Tell Okogi, hey, I need you to hit threes. I need you to give me something on offense so that I can play you on defense. If I can't get that, you're going to have to sit. And that's different than saying to somebody, you know, you could shoot. You should shoot when you're open. It's saying I need something out of you on offense. And Okogi, I think his shot selection has been better. Uh, he does put the ball on the deck more. He does shoot wide open threes. I don't think his last 15 games is necessarily sustainable. I think that's the best Okogi will see offensively. I mean, but I think. How about as a screener last night? I know. 
he, well, he, he, there's a guy who likes contact, mm -hmm. you know, he, I mean, he's, uh, I mean, that's what he needs to spend his off season doing. Like is getting, is learning how to score like a uh, PJ Tucker. <laughs> a, 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 well, I would say like Bruce Brown on the nets, but they have uh, Bruce Brown. Yeah. Bruce Brown is a mean dude. And so's Josh. Yeah. No, but I mean, Bruce Brown, I think wants to fight you sometimes. Well, I, I, I got. I think Josh has a little bit of a, a crazy streak in him. He's got. He could be. He's got some. He's got some Marcus Smart into him. Maybe Bruce Brown might be legitimately Ooh, crazy. Marcus Smart. Now you're talking. You know. I don't. He's one of my favorite guys. It, it is. It is interesting. You know, big picture where Josh sort of fits in this, because it's obviously not as a starter as he's been. I mean, he started a crazy amount of games this year and still is starting. Right. Every but night. If you can get him part of if he becomes a skeleton key on some bad defenders, which is what you just got through seriously doubting. And I don't blame you, but what <laughs> I'm saying is if Finch has a camp, a whole camp and he figures out a defense that utilizes Okogie's toughness and flexibility um, and convinces, you know, I, I personally, you know, here, here again, I, I think Ann has a better shot at becoming an NBA defender of the deal just simply because he's younger and he professes to like contact and he handles contact. How would you better. grade them right now as defenders? Delo versus Ant? Uh, I would say Delo a D and Ant a C minus. See, I'd flip it. See, look at the numbers, man. I know I just got through saying the numbers don't what tell numbers? you anything. Like, like the I'm numbers actually on D'Lo, the numbers on D'Lo, D'Lo, if it wasn't for Wancho, D'Lo would be numerically the worst player on the team defensively. You know, now Malik's hurt. Malik, Wancho, and D'Lo are, mm -hmm. they uh, basically pump, the, the defensive rating is like a helium balloon when they're in the game. See, my, you know? mine is less about, is, is less about the numbers in, in this situation in that I think D'Angelo gives up in, in situations where he could, especially corner threes, he a, a lot of different times, or when he's in a, when he is in a situation where he feels like he has become the underdog, someone's driving at him. He's going to Ole and he's going to pull out. If he thinks the guy's caught it in an open catch and shoot situation, he's not going to attack out on the closeout. Right. But I think if you put him in a sit in situations that he thinks he can compete in Have an impact where, right. where he thinks like, his his athleticism or his size or his whatever isn't outmatched in that spot in that specific instance. I don't think D'Angelo is a stupid defender. I think he's smart, and I think in terms of defensive basketball IQ, I think it is incomparable him versus Ant, and which is even more damning. Let's point out. Sure, yeah, to Ant, and no, no, to D'Lo. If 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 sure. the basketball IQ of mm -hmm. D'Lo. If he knows what to do and doesn't do it, I just think it's that's the, worse than somebody not knowing what to do. I think the numbers, I think the defensive rating numbers on D'Lo are in part so bad because he gives up. Whether he, whether it be on some Kevin of those Lowe. positions, yeah, sure. Or he gives up when they're down by 20 points. But I do think there is, there is a, a player in there who when he is... Ready to compete. Now, this doesn't, again, this doesn't sound great, but I, I think right. we've seen, and I've gone back and watched, like, because this is, for me at least, it's harder to pick up in live. I need to go back and sure. watch. I think, 
I think D'Angelo's played some solid defense here. And Ant has made a lot of steals. And those are, those are different things because I think with Ant, his pursuit of steals and his, the gambling that Finch is enabling him to do is providing a certain type of value, but it isn't a long-term sustainable one. And I think, I think it'll ultimately, it ultimately leads me to make my grade him a D and, and D'Lo a, a C minus. I don't, okay. I think it's kind of I, fake. That that's, I will agree with you to the extent about D'Lo anyway. I will agree with you that um, where I find D'Lo really good is when his man takes him into the paint and all of a sudden there's like four players or even five players from the two different teams all kind of clustered together. Mm-hmm. D'Lo digs for that. D'Lo, his hands are very active when that happens. That Jimmy and, Butler block and, last year. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's kind of like that, right? Uh, but, I, but yeah, but I'm also even thinking about when the ball's on the deck mm-hmm. and it's not, when nobody's really sure whose it is, even if D'Lo doesn't come away with the ball, he finds a way to keep the ball uh, in in play. You know, he's so if somebody's trying to pick up the ball, D'Lo will knock it out of their hands, right. you know? Um, and what I also will say is that D'Lo is deceptively long. It's why he gets off shots in traffic. It's like his hands or his arms are much bigger than you think he, they should be. Yeah. I mean, he, he shoots these, part of it is his angle, shot angle, of course. But also, when he stops and pops, uh, it's kind of like what Jeff Teague wants to do sometimes, only Jeff Teague turns out to basically want to get the foul because he can't get the shot off, of getting in traffic with people and then trying to go up. What D'Lo does is he herky-jerky movements, ta-da, 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 gets people going, has people off balance, and then shoots over them, even though they're right next to him because his arms are so long. Well, that length on defense occasionally can be used really well to fill passing lanes and occasionally can be used really well to do the Covington uh, sweep steal on penetration near him. You know, like if somebody is going by him and it's not his man, occasionally he'll be able to reach out and and deter that to some extent. Those are two of the ways I see D'Lo being okay. Ant, I think, um, is totally um, still trying to figure out how to play defense. And I think that... It will be interesting to see the more he learns how to play defense, how good he can be. I think what is surprising to me right now, there isn't an area of the game of basketball where Ant can't be above average. You know, I mean, as a passer, as a rebounder, as a scorer, obviously, um, as a defender will probably be the final hurdle, and I would not even need above average. If Ant can be, um, you know, Russell Westbrookian, you know, somebody who hurts you on defense but doesn't kill you on defense, you know, given all his offensive talent, if that comes to fruition, he'll be fine. Um, But I agree that those are the two. If you're looking at Swiss cheese (laughs) in a team's defense, you know, it's there. that's where the mice are, you know. I want to get back to, to Finch and Saunders real quick and All more right. specifically about the identity, but let's take a quick break. 
I'm not sure about you, but I'm taking a rain check on spring cleaning this year. Freshen it up for the season with comfort instead with some sheets, with some towels, some loungewear, and more from Brooklinen. And with their birthday sale happening this weekend, Brooklinen is offering site-wide savings on all things comfort for their biggest sale of the year. Brooklinen was founded by husband and wife duo Rich and Vicky with the goal to create beautiful luxury home essentials at prices that don't break the bank. By working directly with manufacturers, they ensure premium, high-quality comfort every time and at a fraction of the retail price. That means ridiculously soft bedding, towels, and loungewear. Brooklinen is so confident you'll love everything. They will give you a 365-day warranty. They've even got 75,000 five-star reviews. It's hard to argue with that. Get everything you need for a fresh spring during Brooklinen's biggest sale of the year. Shop Brooklinen's birthday sale going on this weekend. And if you're listening to this podcast after the sale ends, don't worry. You can still go to brooklinen.com and use promo code MORE. My last name to get $20 off any purchase of $100 or more. That's brooklinen.com and enter the promo code MORE to get $20 off any purchase of $100 or more. Brooklinen, everything you need to live your most comfortable life. So Britt, back to the Saunders versus Finch thing here, and and we can kind of put a bow on it with this, is, is this idea that I think we're both of the same mind, that the results have been largely the same, but there's much more of an identity and we have a better idea of what the path is going forward exactly. under Finch, which That's right. you would say, right, that portends well to the idea that the Wolves can the Wolves can at least come out next year and be who they want to be. They can yes. they can go out and do that, whereas under Saunders it just felt a little bit more gray. What is that knowing what they want? What is that knowing what they want to be going to look like next season, if you know what I mean? Yes. Well, first, let me say that part of that was Ryan. Part of that was injuries and COVID. And part of it was Rosas trying to cram a style. Um, You know, so I won't say it's all Ryan versus Finch. I will say I'm just just drawing the line of 31 games under Saunders, 30 under Finch. No, I agree. Uh, But I think to the extent that – they can be who they want to be. What do they want to be next year? Um, Fitch has kind of indicated that he wants a lot of things to run through Cat, but he doesn't want Cat to be the top scorer on the team necessarily. I think that's a kind of a fascinating. Or is that Cat? I, I don't think I agree with that. I think he does want Cat to be the top scorer. I'm not do sure Cat does. I think well, I think Finch wants Cat to be Jokic, which is both of those things. Is, oh yeah, yeah. Is the elite I, distributor I, okay. and the top scorer. I think that's what Cat. I think that's what Finch is. Well, that's Finch what wants. I want too. Yeah, I think that's what anyone would want. I think we, I want to uh, remember when we talked about this in uh, spring training or, or preseason, whatever you want to yeah. call it, back in the day. Um, I said, let's have Cat be a thirty to thirty-five percent sure. usage guy. You know, dude. I um, I mean, and you and. You and Jim Pete, like, both. Whenever Cat takes, like, his little – instead of going to his, his left oh. shoulder hook and he goes he goes to the right shoulder fade, you and Jim Pete right – I, I, I see it happen, and I know Jim Pete's going to – he's going to say that's a bad shot, and I know I'm going to see the Brit tweet come through on the timeline that that shot sucks. But here's the thing. I'll take that over, like, 90% of the rest of the Timberwolves' offense. I will. He's just – Cat is that good of a shooter. 
And the rest of the players. Are, I bet his percentage on that shot is about 22%. No, I bet it's higher than that. And I don't know how we okay. could. Cat, it, right. Cat is too... Cat is too good offensively. My, I, I'm mostly making a point here that there's no reason we don't need to like shrink down the spectrum of the things that Cat can do. If anything, we should be extending it more so as to so as to go through him. More. Okay, but ideally, I actually think what they would like is for Cat to be near triple double territory, Edwards to be the top scorer, D'Lo to be a uh, uh, a really good fill-in third cog. Uh, maybe a couple of years from now, when you can when you can bake in a lot more efficiency from Ant. But I, I don't think Chris. Fin- you, we're talking about next year. You think that's what? I think Chris Finch I think, knows. I think he wants to rush the process. I think if Anthony Edwards is is your leading scorer next year, your problems. You're not making the playoffs. Yeah, he's because close of, to the leading scorer this year. Yeah, they have the worst record of the league. Second worst record of the league. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think I think you want I, – I'll go back to the Denver thing. I If it's me, it's – I do Cat and D'Lo like you do Murray and Jokic, and Anthony Edwards is my Michael Porter Jr. And and that is a bucket getter in a, in a lower usage role. Anthony Edwards has done nothing in my eyes outside of for development purposes. For development purposes, sure. Give him a shitload of shots. Let him – let him go do that. You're trying to win the game. What has Anthony Edwards done that suggests he should be taking more than 12 shots a game? Unless he's rolling. Like, watch the Nuggets, man. The Nuggets the Nuggets go to Porter at times, and they lean into him more when, when he's rolling. I, I don't... That sounds to me like what we should do with D'Lo. And I will tell you that the... No, that's what, yeah. Uh, yeah. The, that the... Uh, sure. Um, Murray-D'Lo comparison is unfair to Murray. Uh, <laughs> I, I, you know. Yeah, I, I, that's fair. I, Murray's better than D'Lo. I agree. I agree. And and also, he can just get you 50, you know? And he can get you 50. Um, I think D'Lo can get you 50, though, too. D'Lo can get you 50 um, less often. Sure, and, but and let, I'm just, yeah, he can still get you 50, though. He can get you 50. And maybe 50 is a little high. Let's call it like 40 for both of those guys. Right. The day that D'Lo is able to do what Murray did to counter Donovan Mitchell in that Utah series or anything. We're not talking about the playoffs. I'm not. Yeah, you're right. I would not. Murray is a Murray is a star. Um, D'Lo is a very good player in his role and, and, um, if he dedicated himself on defense, would flirt with being a uh, top 15 point guard. I was thinking about this yesterday. I'm watching the Knicks, my new favorite team. Uh-huh. And and I'm thinking about the whole Drew. Randall's having an amazing year, isn't he? That's what I'm getting at is, I mean, we would have never guessed this, right, from, from Julius. I Randall. always liked him, but I did not think. He was going to be like 30, 12, and 8 most nights. I mean, so it, it, it's funny how we've seen from these these Lakers guys, like Ingram did this last year. You know, they, they right, get right, out of they right. get out of there. Julius Randle. Stan Van Gundy put him in a hole. Yeah, right. Well, Go he's ahead. back. But then but now Julius Randle, you know, has done this too. Right. And I'm like, is there any chance we see that type of leap from D'Angelo Russell next year? Yes. I think there is. I'm glad you said yes to that. 
I agree. I agree. I really do. I mean, without the 12. I mean, he could get 30 and 8 and maybe 5. Yeah. The, I don't the, think the he point guard. Five yeah, the point guard version right. of that, where right, you're like, right, right. this guy's a killer, a killer on offense, which is what stands right. out with when you watch Randall. You go, I don't have answers for this. Like, okay, but what I will say is, if that's true, who's the second leading scorer on the Knicks? Okay, yeah, it's right. uh, Barrett. You know, but Barrett is being held back, and Ant and Cat will be held back if D'Lo is Randall. And you just got through saying if if mm-hmm. if uh, Ant is a leading scorer, they're not gonna they're gonna be terrible. If D'Lo has a Randall-like renaissance, I think that may be all the more reason for him not to play defense. And um, I, I think that's part of the Randall-like renaissance is is more mean, of a commitment to, to, to both ends. Right. I think that's yeah. I think that's your dream situation next year. I think that's your dream situation next year. Is what the the Nuggets were this year, where Cat. See, you are you are a dedicated D'Lo guy. I'm not a dedicated D'Lo guy. I just like. It, it, I, we're comparing him to Ant, part of man. You're comparing him to Ant, like. Yes, I am. I, th- those are. I, I Ant could Ant can get there. Ant is very far away from there, as in terms of consistency. I think that you could get consistency out of D'Lo more likely than you could get consistency out of Ant next year. Does that make sense? Right now. Yeah, next year. That's true. But I don't think they're going to make the playoffs next year. I think they'll be lucky if they make the playoffs, even if everything goes well. Well, I mean, they, it depends on the pick, obviously. Yeah. If you can get somebody so I don't think, fabulous, I don't think we, we, can't make, we can't make playoff predictions. I'm assuming season. no pick. Right. Yeah, well, which is odds okay. on okay. that. Right. All right. So let's say um, – then I would say that I want to keep developing Anthony Edwards. Sure. To be. Um, I, don't get me wrong. I want to develop him. I'm just saying, Michael, do you not think Michael Porter Jr. has developed in that role in Denver? I don't like Michael Porter Jr. <laughs> Dude, Michael Porter Jr. I think he's a great Michael shooter. Porter Jr. is the best comp for Anthony Edwards in the NBA. That's just true right now. I don't know about that. Why? What's wrong get to with the it? Rim nearly as because he, he's. I'm talking he's about a better term- outside shooter. He's a better outside shooter and not nearly as good a penetrator. Okay, in terms of elite athlete, lost on defense, and someone you could see blossoming into a Russell Westbrook. That is what Michael uh-huh. Porter Jr. is, and that is what Anthony Edwards. They both are that. You're right. They have different games. You know, he's- I think Anthony Edwards has a higher ceiling than Michael Porter Jr. I actually think Michael Porter Jr. You've been watching um, the Nuggets lately. Turn uh-huh. on a Nuggets yeah, game. No, yeah, I saw the night he dropped 39. Actually, he looked very good. He looked he looked like a – remember how Pokemon used to, like, go from – does this get, this is going to totally miss you? <laughs> no, it, they would I be like me. Charmander to, like, Charmeleon, uh, and then it would be Charizard. You know, Ant uh, is Charmander, and Michael Porter Jr. is Charmeleon, and then you go up, and Charizard look, is Russell Westbrook. People, a lot of smart people love Michael Porter Jr. and have loved him ever since – he got drafted saying when Denver took him 14th overall, it was a steal. And that is actually panning out. So that's a, you know, and I've said in the past that certainly one of my personnel weaknesses is judging the arc of young players. Oh, me too. I suck. Yeah, at it. a, it's already, already happened. Well, we were both okay, wrong about but Levine, the, but the point I'm making, I don't think I'm wrong about Levine. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I, I was, I, this was before I was doing it for a job or anything. I right. was like, I don't see how this is ever going to work. And it's come together to some degree. Some degree, right. 
Zach Levine has never played for a 500 team. Sure, sure. I don't know why I got I rest my I rest my case. Right. I mean, I'll, he, Zach Levine is going to have to, you know, shit gold before I salute, you know. I mean, it really is something that uh, – and, and that's not to take away from the fact that he is a fabulous – He's a great guy. He was a fabulous guy in the locker room. Yeah. I'll never forget the time some fan behind the Wolves bench was berating Rubio for something. Yeah. And Zach Levine went after him. I mean, it was just glorious, you know. And so I I don't remember if I was there being, for that or if I'm just remembering the story from you telling me. I, it was I can't. just so wonderful. I mean, you know, it was just he's a cool guy yeah. and he is uh, and he works really hard. Mm-hmm. But his defense is perpetually bad. Well, he's uh, another, that's another comp I've made for, for Edwards. And, too. Yeah, and actually, I think I like that comp better, uh, only because I think that at the basket stuff. Um, yeah, and also because uh, the freakish athleticism. Porter's athleticism is a little different for some reason. Well, it's, it's just it's, it's taller. As, it's taller athleticism. He's pretty freaky. Yeah, I guess. It just look yeah, it looks different when it's in a different package. I think a difference between where some of the Zach Ant thing falls apart is what Zach's twenty six now. Is that right? Cat's yeah. age? And and he is still can cannot compute defense. And right. and you at least at what Porter's maybe twenty two, twenty one, yeah. and Ant's nineteen, we at least right. can they hold out hope. Right. Yeah. I mean with Zach, that's the bummer of it. I I, I like him. I mean, he has been incredible to watch offensively. He's fun this to year. watch. Yeah, and exactly. it, and I, you're just a little bit, if you're somebody who watches both sides of the floor, you know, part of your heart just sinks for him. When I, I'm watching right. a Bulls game as a a neutral observer, right? I don't give a shit who wins the right. Bulls or the you know Pacers. And it's just right. like, man, that is the problem here is the reason he's he's always played on teams that have been under 500 is because – not that he isn't trying. The sad part about Levine is he's trying on defense. Ant isn't he is, trying. He's like on Al defense. Jefferson. He's like Al Jefferson yeah. that way. Yeah. Al Jefferson always was trying on defense too. Some guys just don't get it. Right. Um, so what's what's Finch think about this pecking order thing? If me and you are like, well, you know, Cat, and then there's D'Lo, and then there's Ant. Like Finch is Finch, I think, is doing something different now. His whole plan right now is developmental, and I think next season will hone in more on things that lead to results. you agree with that? Yes. I think the ballsiest move Finch has made by far is continuing to start Rubio and steadfastly doing that. And also, that Tuesday night game that so disgusted you, <laughs> eight and a half minutes of that game, yeah. the last eight and a half minutes of that game, Dilo was on the bench. Mm-hmm. He had 27 points in the first half. I know. And you benched him for almost the entire fourth quarter. This is a guy who, again, if Ryan Saunders had done that, he would have been fired within 24 hours. Uh, right. You know, and so that to me, that was a real signal. And and I'm having when, trouble with the signal, though, because of the injury stuff. I don't. Do you know what I mean? It. Like, do you know what I mean? Though, like, do you hear where I'm coming from? I don't. It's, yes, I think it's a great excuse. If you do, you see any injury no. lagging indicators on D'Lo? No. So then it's like that's why it's a facade. It's yeah, I, I think know. It's a facade. And that's why I hate about all this because then it's back to the stealth tanking stuff. No, no, no. Yes, I think it is. It's what is better... it then? There, 
I think it's keeping Rubio happy so you don't render the team asunder. With the added perhaps, benefit of your odds of winning games decreasing. And That's what Stealth taking is. perhaps being able to get rid of Rubio in the, in, in the offseason, which is not inconsiderable. If you can get something for Rubio that isn't just more problems, $17 million worth of problems in return. I don't know if I believe in I the whole idea of bolstering your players trade stock in irrelevant games down the stretch. It is the only way they get beneath the salary cap yeah. in a meaningful luxury way. Tax. Yeah. Yeah. Luxury tax. Sorry. The only way they get beneath the luxury tax and, and have any flexibility at all See, to do that. I, yeah. And I think the only way you're doing that is you, you're trading Rubio to a team with a GM who fetishizes what he what international Rubio was and this idea that their team just needs a point. They got everything else figured out and all they need is just to plug in a stop gap, high IQ point guard like Utah was at three years ago when, or four years ago when they traded for Rubio in the first place. That's the tricky part is I'm having trouble pointing to which team that is. I kind of go to the Pacers is the one when I I do too. In fact, that was the first thing I thought of. And so, because then you move Brogdon over, right? Yeah, and I, which I think would be, you know, would be fine. Brogdon can play either one. I think that team's going to go through a whole identity shift this offseason, one way or the other. They just, I think they're due. You think the Sabonis? I actually think the Sabonis Turner thing works better than most people. I, I kind of, I'm kind of with you there too, but it's all just it's weird. T.J. Warren's going to be coming back. It just I doesn't. Know. That's the guy you might want to get rid of. It just it, whatever. I just think they got to. There's going to be some shaking on there, but there. There's not a lot of teams for Rubio, and I, I think it's going to be a team like that where, where their GM's like abiding thought of Rubio, their own internal motivations, I think that is going to inform a team being willing to trade for Rubio much more than anything that happens in the final 25 games of the season. Rubio, pre-trade deadline, showed he isn't washed. Like that was, he did his Lou Aldang. You know, uh-huh. he looked he looked washed at the beginning of the season and he proved, you know, the first 20 games of the season looked washed. It looked like Rubio might need to retire. He took the next 20 games to be like, all right, that was COVID. I was out of shape at the beginning of the year. Here's me in shape. Like, this is what you get when you get Ricky Rubio. In your Plus, thirds. on the other hand, you also he does need to hit shots. Otherwise, he's going to torpedo his value with these more minutes. Right. He's back to not shooting well. Yeah, it's it's well, it's the Rubio experience, man. It's it's up and down, and it ends up around thirty four percent. Like, that's yeah. just what it is. Another guy, you know, it's funny you hang around teams and cover them long enough. I like Zach Levine as a human being wonderfully. There's mm-hmm. a, parts of his game I just don't want on my team. Mm-hmm. You know, Rubio very similar. I mean, Ricky Rubio is as classic a human being as you can find. He really has honestly evolved. He could have been a prima donna so easily being feted as the, one of the greatest players of his country before he left his teens. And uh, he really takes hard looks at what is real about life and what is mm. a figment of his imagination about life. And I think that that has extended his career. But at the end of the day, he still can't shoot. And... <laughs> And that's not great. Which limits, I mean, which limits the amount of teams that are out there that would even 
you know, go know. get him in the first. But the getting back to why do you think? So you think it's totally a tell stank a tell stank thing? It's healthy. I don't know what it is, man. It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't. It, it so doesn't make sense I to me. Say, and everything I think they want that Finch likes Rubio. Everything that hasn't he made likes- sense for me this year. At, with a month of hindsight, and I've looked back on it, I go, oh, yeah, that was tanking. That's happened every time with every injury and everything. Like, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, prove me wrong the other way. This it doesn't make sense. Uh, this doesn't make sense. Your goal, if, you are, if you're actually trying to win these games down the stretch and you're trying to do what we all hear them saying they're going to do, put together meaningful tape where you have your core players playing together, like – this doesn't make sense that less than half of Cat's minutes have D'Lo on the floor alongside him. Like, what is that? That's either a bad idea, bad coaching, or tanking. I, I don't I don't know what I don't know what else it is. Or, or he's I mean, injured. Their argument is or their argument is is that they want a, a classic great scorer who can organize an offense. No, D'Lo has they done feed, really good things with they the second. They feed game. this stuff. This is know, propaganda. This is propaganda. It, man. Perhaps. Perhaps. I don't know. What is ironic about this stealth tanking, I just wanted to say it to prove I could say it. Um, <laughs> what is ironic about this, they have upcoming games against Orlando and Detroit. Coming. And Houston. Well, I'm, I'm assuming they beat Houston. Yeah, Houston sucks. Houston, Houston, you know. Did you watch the is, Rockets-Jazz game? No. It was the, I, the only reason I asked. Did not need to. Oh, that's right, because they played just before. You always get the last game. Oh, my no, God. The Rockets-Jazz game, I thought, would teach me nothing. Uh, you were right. You know, you about were, anybody. You were yeah. right. I mean, it, oh, my God. <laughs> okay, but so Oklahoma City is the most tanking team right now. Right. They've lost 10 in a row. Your guy, Pokey, is uh, in trouble. 13 uh, in a row. They've lost 13 in yeah. a row. They're 13 in a row. So you have that. You have Orlando, Detroit. And um, uh, the team Houston. Mm-hmm. So you've got four teams that are going to work hard to submerge themselves. Yep. And they got twelve games to go, which is not eleven. A lot of games. Eleven. Eleven. Okay. And 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 Orlando's got twenty wins, right? So they're. Three Let me just wins. read them. Let me oh. read them right now. So okay. this is right. this is right. Sunday at four fifteen p.m. Houston has 15 wins. Minnesota has 17 wins. Detroit has 18 wins. Orlando has 18 wins. Oklahoma City has 20 wins. Cleveland still thinks they're they they have 21, but they still think they're in the playoff hunt. So yeah, it's those well, five. That's good. It's, it's yeah. those five. All right, all right. And so I think of those teams, it's going to be very obviously. Houston is in the driver's seat when it comes to tanking. Oklahoma City is working extremely hard, and I think they will get to the second worst record. Mm, um, I mean, dude, there's just not a lot of time. Uh, I think that the two or three games. Look, when you have these games where two teams play each other, the Wolves play Orlando, the Wolves yeah, play Detroit. Yeah, yeah, they got those are two time. wins. Those are two <laughs> wins. Two wins that the Thunder aren't getting. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, exactly uh, right. And so, you have those kinds of situations. I think the Wolves will wind up with the fourth worst record, and that will be. I'm fine uh, with that. It, does that take them from 41 to tw- 29? No, or something? no, 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 no. Fifth one, fifth then. No, 
Top three are all 40.1. The fourth okay. one is 36.6. I'm not okay. losing any sleep over 3.5% slider. 36.6 are the, the top three picks? Yes. Or all top four picks? Top okay. three. All right. Yes. All right. Nobody all right. nobody seems to, like, understand this. And then and then if it falls to fifth. I'm glad we're talking about it. Then. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've made it a point. I'm tweeting it out after before Excellent. or after every game. Because, All right. because I think what people's understanding is, and right, if you're not familiar with the lottery, like if, less so than you are, where they go, if you fall out of the top three records, you can't get the top three. Well, that's not obviously, that's no, not how the right. draft that's works in the NBA. Right. But people right. think right. that. Right. Right. People do think that. Right. I get messages often. And so it goes 40.1 for, for the worst record, 40.1 for the second worst record, 40.1 right. for the third worst record, 36.6 for the fourth worst record, nominal difference. And then at five, it drops to 31.5. So you want to stay away from five. Fourth, I'm not even five though. You know the difference is uh, four out of ten versus one out of three. You know, yeah, which is close to four out of twelve. Yeah, it's a at the end of the day, um, eight point six percent difference. I just and even that is to me is worth playing the last the second half of your season and trying to find some sort of identity in a, you know, right. right they already right, did their, right. they already did their tanking at the beginning of the year. They right. did their tanking at the beginning of the year. We knew that at the time that was the stealth tanking. They did that. That is a fact. We know that they sucked intentionally after cat got hurt. And, okay. and so just play out the rest of the season. And then at the very end, at the very end, if you want to, you know, if you want to get weird on one of those, Houston games or Detroit games or shut someone down for the last three of the season. Like I, I'm not going to fault you there. That is the incentive structure. The league has put in place. You want to do that, but I have a problem with slowly and stealthfully tanking over the course of 20, 25 games and lying about it. Let me play devil's advocate to your argument. Um, well, now I might, I might've forgotten what I was going to say yeah. too bad. Well, the, God, God wins. <laughs> uh, uh, it'll come to me. Let's move along. Um, jazz. Let's talk about the Jazz, just as a team. All right. As all we'll, right. We'll, we'll wind down with just like the league here, and all right. and this is this sounds stupid now because you know they they beat they beat or the Wolves beat the Jazz, but I've been watching them recently and I get like. Last night, notwithstanding, I get this like Miami vibes from last year, uh-huh. where not saying they can win the championship, but like that they could just in one series, similar to how Miami just worked Milwaukee, right. just had an answer for it. Like I can see like Utah versus the Clippers, I could see I could see the Jazz winning that in five games, sweeping it. Like I, I could just where just they have the perfect fit, the perfect execution, the precision to, you know, to beat some of these teams. Now that the issue is for the jazz to win the championship, you don't just got to beat the Clippers. You got to beat three, you got to beat three stud teams. One of, you know, the Lakers, the Clippers, and then Brooklyn in the championship to win it. So they don't got, they don't have three bullets in them like that, but I think they might have one. So much of it is, what I've always loved about the NBA versus baseball, uh, hockey. By the way, did you, know, you did you switch your fantasy baseball lineup? 
when we took our yes, break? Yes, I did. Okay, good. Yep, yep, you bet. Um, hockey, um, all those other sports, the playoffs are really a proving ground. Yeah. And they are a place where you need to immerse yourself in the playoffs and then return and immerse yourself. Uh, and so that's what hurts Phoenix and to some extent Utah this year. Utah has had a couple of seasons where they've gone second round, you know, but they have not really had a season like Denver had last year where they went to the conference finals, you know. Yeah, their version um, of that was with Ricky. Yeah, it was. And ago. it was second round. Yeah, it was second you know, round. It wasn't, you know, and then they ran into James Harden, mm -hmm. you know. And so you do have a situation where I think to the extent that you still have a team with Kawhi on it and you have a team with LeBron on it, uh, those are big factors in the playoffs. So now that Davis has got a ring, uh, I still see the Lakers as, as the team to beat. I also think Phoenix has got problems, despite the fact that Chris Paul has a ton of experience. Mm -hmm. I love Phoenix, and I love Denver, and I love Utah as intruders into the process. I think sure. certainly Denver <clears throat> without Murray is an intruder. Um, and it will be uh, – and... Jokic will become Kawhi territory – just commonly regarded as one of the top three guys in the game for a while. Um, if he manages to get even to the finals without Murray. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not giving him that than that. I'm not expecting that. Like if, for me, if I'm going, I'm not through, expecting it either. If I'm going through likelihoods of advancing from the West into the championship, I'm going Lakers one. And then, I th and then I think this is where we're going to disagree. I'm going Jazz 2. Uh-huh. And then I'm, I think I'm going to go Clippers 3 and then Suns 4. See, I'm going, I'm going Phoenix 2. Hmm. So we're, we're kind know. of both in the, like, the I, ju I just have a vibe about them. I have a vibe Super about Phoenix yeah. that, um. I mean, and I, I love them too. I, I, I'd love to, I'll be cheering Jay for Jay Crowder, and I will tell you that Booker strikes me as a, he's a Murray in waiting. There's a guy, you know, you, we talked about D'Lo and Murray. Booker is the guy For that is sure. going to go nuts in the playoffs. For sure. And if he doesn't, I will be shocked. Uh, I, I think Booker is going to get you like 37 points a game. One of my Chris favorite Paul, things is watching him play defense this year now. Yeah. The shit, uh, I mean, because it, it looked some of like. some that is Chris Paul and some of that is Monty Williams. It, it's. Credit to him. I mean, credit to him. And Jay Crowder. Yep. Jay Crowder is so important on that team. But but you know? but Devin Booker is the example of Ant figuring it out defensively and committing oh, to it. Oh, that's good. That's a good. It is. I, I mean, that's what Booker. That... Remember when the the Booker yeah we was asked about the three D'Lo, Cat, and Booker, which was the best of the three on defense. Mm -hmm. And I think I I had them Cat, Booker, D'Lo. Um, yeah, and I think that's proven think to be that, true because Cat and Booker have taken a big step up. Yeah, that's right. Delos right. at the same spot. Yeah, I actually think that Booker may have taken a bigger step than Cat, but then again, you've got Jay, you got Jay Crowder and and Chris Paul on the floor with you all of a sudden. Imagine Cat with those two guys on the floor with him on defense. Uh, you're going to you disagree know? with this, but I everybody's got to like get off of this Jake. Like Jake Crowder is not the best player in the NBA. 
Where was he last year? I know. That's what everybody says. And they say the reason Miami sucks this year is Jake. Maybe no, I'm I don't wrong. say that's the reason. I am saying that they miss him. Yeah. And Phoenix does not miss him. I guess I just hear, loves him. I hear all the time whenever I'm reading or listening about Miami, they need their Jay Crowder. They need their Jay Crowder. And I'm like, I've watched Jay Crowder play. And I'm like, this guy's good, but he's Jay Crowder. Like, I, I don't know. Yes. He's a bunch of role he does, yeah, You know, but what's really cool about what you said 40 minutes ago <laughs> is they need – Every team needs a guy who tags somebody with a with a force. That's fair. And also goes and takes the body. If somebody's out dribbling 16 feet, thinking about a step back or a drive in which they will do, suddenly they don't have any options other than getting rid of the ball because yeah. somebody is in their jockstrap. That's Jay Crowder. That's I agree and with that. That's what you know, and that is so valuable when you're playing uh, games where. Jay Crowder is not necessarily your wing stopper, but he is a guy that when your wing stopper is is flagging or in foul trouble, wow. you throw him in as the backup wing stopper, and he's remarkably better than anybody else you have on the team. That's well it's put. That kind of, it's that kind of stealth thing mm -hmm. that um, is really good value, and it's one of the reasons Phoenix is, is really playing so well, in my opinion, I mean, Chris Paul being the top of the list, uh, I would argue the emergence of Booker, which everybody saw last year in the bubble anyway, not so much of a surprise, but important. And then Jay Crowder and Monty Williams, I would tie for third on that. So, and, and Aiden, I think. Yeah, and I, I, think, I think Aiden deserves deserves some yeah, credit. He does. So your but order is, your order, you, can, you, you convinced me to change my order. My order of likelihood to advance to the finals is Lakers uh -huh. one, Jazz uh -huh. two, Suns three, Clippers four. And I'm going You're to go, go, I'm going to flip the jazz and the Clippers hmm. yeah. because I just think, um, you know, I, I, I came out and said that the Lou Williams for Rajon Rondo deal was a bad deal for the Clippers and everybody goes, well, wait for the playoffs. Um, and some guys, it was certainly a good deal for the Hawks. Well, I think so. Um, Although, they could both. They could both happen. Like if Rondo ends up being good for the Clippers in the playoffs, then it's a mutually beneficial trade. And Rondo has actually been good in the regular season. But here's the thing: that we are trapped by our biases sometimes. Mm -hmm. You know, like Zach Levine is going to be a really good player before I will say he's a really good player. I'm right. trapped in my bias. I'm, you know, and and that's all there is to it. I wish it were different. But you can only be honest. You know, you can only be what you think you see. And some biases hold you back. I am biased against guys like Boris Diaw or whoever who just work themselves off bad situations saying, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try. James Harden did that in Houston most recently. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, Boris Diaw did it I think twice. And Rajon Rondo is the perfect candidate for that. If Rondo is ultimately motivated, you know, I said they lost the deal, but people are right. You may see 22 more games of magic out of Rondo before he fades into the sunset. And if that happens, yeah, whew, you know, that could be another ring. And, and what a, and Rondo has got this, what I always remember about Rondo is, he was arguably the best player on a team that had the big three mm -hmm. and won it all 
and they were trying to trade him that offseason. <laughs> I mean, that yeah. says something. Something about Rondo is very, very strange in a locker room. And I don't know what it is. I've never heard and, anything about it. And part it. of it is attractive, though. I think part of the strangeness, like, <laughs> I mean, Could be. that they traded for Rajon Rondo is definitely right. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and probably Ty Lue, I'm assuming, in right, right. Lawrence Frank, and, right? And, and the guy with a billion dollars, right? Yeah. Well, sure. Convincing right. Lawrence Frank to, to make that move because right. I, I think, like, that's a classic one, you know, in, like, NBA Twitter, or NBA salary cap geek draft world which i'm not absolving myself from you know that that trade makes no sense like what they got two the hawks got two seconds and they got lou williams you know from that it's but yeah it's it's what it's a it's a playoffs move versus uh i don't know if you have a tandem that you can sort in and out of like the lakers did the lakers use the uh little ball dude that runs around like crazy you never know yeah caruso 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 (laughs) Um, um, Caruso and Rondo, they flipped back and forth. It was a great change of pace. Beverly and Rondo can be the same thing. They can play both of those guys like 18 to 25 minutes a piece. Right. And it will be, uh, it will be a totally different look. Um, Rondo is not the physical defender Beverly is, but he's crafty. And so on the one hand, you got a point guard worrying about, uh, getting bodied or getting, you know, you know, mm-hmm. screwed with, and then you get another guy you worried about picking your pocket or doing something squirrely, you know, uh, especially if it's a guy like Dennis Schroeder, you know, it'll drive Dennis Schroeder mad if right. he's got to deal with both. Beverly Wait, so are you Rondo. Clippers two or are you Clippers three? What do you mean? Lakers one. Oh, uh, Clippers, I'm Clippers three okay, because yeah, I uh, love the Suns. Yeah, okay. Um, you know who knows how it'll all work out. Yeah. I mean, I don't. Right, know. right, right. No, no. And I, and I think about this in terms I know, of odds. Luca will go, go absolutely. You know, now yeah. Chris Stapp's getting hurt. I think really hurts. If he, if he's not around yeah. for the playoffs, that'll be a problem. No. But like, Dallas is a wild card, and there's, there's all kinds of weird things like that that it can happen. I'm not feeling like you there's know? anything too wild that I'm concerned about of the bottom of the like. I know, like, I mean, respect to Portland, respect respect to Dame in Portland, respect to Luka in Dallas, respect to Jokic in Denver, but... I, well, Jokic is the one... Um, yeah, I put, since, I put them... Since, since Murray has gone down, I'm starting to uh, uh, belatedly join the, the course. I mean, he's certainly mm-hmm. in with a bead, and uh, again, I'm holding hard on Chris Paul... Uh, but I do think Embiid, Jokic, and I don't see, I mean, again, Gobert has just sick off on numbers and net ratings. I mean, it's just, do you know that Utah is gets outscored when, when Gobert goes to the bench and when he's on the floor, they outscore opponents by nearly 600 points? I mean, that's, that's just nuts. That's nuts. Well, Favors is also like, I mean, how about Cat just roasting Favors oh, last I night? Favors did look awful. I mean, you that can't. new hairstyle. I couldn't recognize him at first. <laughs> but uh, yep. when did he become like a, 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 you know, a cornrows guy or whatever it was? He yeah, had he's got he twists or whatever. I, out there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. see, you haven't been watching him. You haven't been watching the jazz, Britt. I haven't been watching the jazz. You're okay. Right. So here's my last thing on it, though. What I think is, we both put the Lakers up there, 
Yes, as, the Lakers, you have to. As one. AD, AD but, and but, LeBron. But what's the percentage chance that the Lakers advance out? Is it over 50? I'd say about – no. See, that's what's There's cool. There's too many good teams. That's, what, that, too many that's good awesome. Teams. That's an awesome part about it. I think that that's always true, though. I don't. What are the chances? You know, I'd say there's about an eighty-five percent chance that it is either Brooklyn or Philly. Yeah. But I also I'm, say I'm, no, that, Milwaukee. I wouldn't agree. With that. I, I'm Milwaukee's in it for me, in the conversation. Ooh, okay, so there you go. Yeah. All right, so so you don't have anybody over fifty in the East either, then. Probably. No, I got I got Brooklyn over fifty. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why Milwaukee's in the conversation for you then. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. I, I just think, yeah, I, I I think like the Lakers are the favorite out of there, but it is just maybe kind of unprecedented for a team to win the West after their two best players missed the whole like last what two months of the season or you know the like, majority. What did we think going into the season? I mean, you know, be, I, think? yeah, I, I'm no, 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 but going into the season, here's what I thought anyway. It's it had like a r- absurd three month turnaround, a three month off season. You got LeBron, True. who's like 30, yeah. 37. See, you I know? need to like remind myself of this stuff all the time. Like, there's and too so much LeBron stuff. And, LeBron and AD rest those dudes. You'll be fine. Yeah, no, Just, you're right. You know, I, I ch- you and, 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 and mind, it yeah. turned out that you needed to get injured to rest them, but they still now will be rested. And there's going to be, they have. Once the regular season ends, they have six weeks of incredibly intense basketball to play. And, you know, that's going to be, you know, if they're lucky, you know, if they manage to. Do you know that um, the Clippers had almost exactly the same situation last season with George and Kawhi, that they very rarely played together? And uh, that could arguably be seen as a reason why, you know, they they didn't do as well. Well, there's been a there's been a yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of teams like I mean, the Wolves are obviously the the most grotesque of it with right. how little Cat right. and D'Lo have played together. But I was just watching right. the Celtics uh, Hornets game this afternoon, and how'd that go? My Hornets won. I'm getting back. Did I, they? I'm re I'm re getting on the, the Hornets. Celts. Oh no! Yes, I love the Celts. The Celts had themselves the home court advantage for a while there, and now they're back. Yeah, too bad. And. I mean, and that was Hornets without Lamelo, without yeah. Hayward, and without Monk. Yeah, they look good. Yeah. I, I'm back. I'm back on. I, <laughs> I'm reengaged. Uh, but but what I was going to say is the Celtics. I hope they play the Hawks. It won't happen unless they might win. Then both of them have uh, like incredible. I think they could be a play-in series, right? Right. Or it could be the four-five. It could. <laughs> it could. I mean, the Knicks. I, the four-five is like. The four five the is and going. The Celtics get bumped down. Seriously, that would be funny. I mean, there, there's, there's, oops, there's, there's, there's time left for it to happen. What, what was the I going to say? Oh no, the Celtics though. The Celtics have yeah. only had 18 games this season where Tatum, Brown, Smart, and Walker have all played together. Yeah, you know, Walker which is, doesn't count for me. Yeah, I guess, but he kind of Tatum, makes... Brown, and Smart. Marcus Smart being out for a long time, I think, kind of screwed with him. And also, I, I really hope. My guy J- Jalen Brown did not peak too soon. I mean, he just was phenomenal early. He's kind of plateaued a little bit lately. Part of that is, I mean, he was like seventy percent true shooting, like legit seventy. And also, but 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 Tatum is is using up all the star air in that room right now. I mean, he's his usage is way up. Um, yeah, and it may be. I mean, let's face it, he's earning every 
every possession he takes. But mm-hmm. um, I worry about the Celtics' beautiful blend. That's what made those the, – the two series that I just cherished last year were Raptors-Celtics and oh, Heat-Celtics. Yeah. Raptors-Celtics and Heat-Celtics were almost as close as you get to starless basketball at that level, you know. You did. There wasn't a superstar on any of those three teams. I want the Raptors to get in through the play-in somehow. Like that team doesn't suck. I know, I, but they do have problems. Siakam but, is not a yeah, good but player. Just, like, all of a sudden, Siak- like just, just names of like these are all guys you and I. They're, they're right yeah. in our strike zone. The Siakams, Van Vliet, Lowry, right. Gary Trent, Trent Jr. Right. Who else are we missing? Oh, uh, OG Ananobi. Like, I, I don't want to play those five guys in the play. Chris Boucher, right. you know? Right, Chris Boucher. You got, I, I mean, he's going to do Baines will beat the shit the out of somebody in the playoffs. Like, right. Chris Boucher will do something incredibly stupid in the playoffs for and sure. cost him a game. And we're forgetting, <laughs> we're forgetting other guys. Like, they're, they're playing, I mean, they, they've just been so, and they're playing in Tampa Bay. They're, but, like, that team. Has and Lowry, players. it's his swan song. I don't know how Lowry will react. Either Lowry will mail it in, getting ready for the next contender he plays for, or he'll try to go out with a bang. And that will make a huge difference. Well, that'll make a huge difference. In, in, if they're in the series, is, like Raptors Lowry, Bucks, like Raptors Bucks in the 2-7 or something. How <laughs> Lowry is a poor man's Chris Paul. And that is a comment. That is. You know, he is somebody who, when you do not think you have a chance, suddenly you have a chance because Kyle Lowry is fucking with you. Yeah. You know? You know? And that I want is a point guard like that. To be said for that. I want a point yeah, guard like well, that. Yeah. All right, Brett. Um, you wrote, let, I'm going to pull up the title of your article here. It was, it was really well done. The Timberwolves under Chris Finch were things stand under Minnesota's latest coach. Um, it's a. Which which we didn't really dig into, but I think is is kind of That's the right. most the most fascinating part of it. Now, I'm not saying your writing was the best thing ever. The most fascinating <laughs> idea of it was uh, was this whole this whole pound pal- oh my god balance of power shift that is yeah. happening in relation to Rosas. And I thought you you got into that um, in in detail, and it will be how that kind of resolves itself will be a that will define a lot of what this next chapter of Timberwolves basketball looks like entering this off season and, and then entering, you know, next season when it's kind of go time for this Wolves team, like they got to go. And I still think, and it's been a through line with my writing about the Wolves all season, everything goes through Rosas in terms of you have to figure out how Rosas is in the mix of this uh, in order to really figure out what's going on. Because the dude... I like the idea I stumbled over in the middle of this, where it, he felt like Tibbs, where he was the coach and president. Yeah, no. I, I hadn't really I thought about that. it like that before, but I feel like right. that was right, and, and he doesn't feel like that anymore. Yeah, exactly. And that's that will be a good thing. That is definitely a good thing because the players know better, you know? Mm-hmm. Um and so, yeah, but I appreciate, I appreciate the, uh, I, it'll be interesting to see if I write any more about the Wolves uh, for the athletic, you know, for the rest of the season. 
<laughs> well, I don't know, you know. Well, um, can I still count on you coming on this once a week for some oh, playoff yeah, for playoff stuff? Why not? No, I'm, yeah, I'm talking sure. like post. I think we don't got to go 90 minutes on every one of the playoffs things. But. I don't mind. No, there's nothing wrong with it. Though what I'm saying is, is that I think that um, they have begun to think that the team is irrelevant. Such a, uh, yeah. you know. Whoever is making the decisions looks at the standings and goes, why do we want to devote another writer besides John Krasinski to this? You know, and I think that's one of the things that I have to accept uh, as uh, something that, well, you know, I would just I would just point out to the notion that, like, that isn't the right analytic to use uh, <laughs> by by them, because the fact of the matter is somebody who my job is determined by numbers there is a great hunger for timberwolves content mm-hmm. regardless of right. what their record is that's just a fact and yeah no the which is and it's the coolest thing base. it's the coolest thing about the fan base man yeah it, it, the fan base is uh you know i i've had a long-term relationship with the fan base <laughs> and and if, if if the longer you've been a timberwolves fan the, the ways that you adjust to it, mm-hmm. you know, the people who were really, really uh, awful cynics a decade ago basically corroded themselves into oblivion. You know, they basically cannot yeah. deal with this. The people who have tried to season in, looked at the team with realism, which involves a healthy dose of cynicism, yeah. but also look at the team as, the NBA is a league that is constantly changing. I mean, the churn of player movement and consequential happenings is incredible. Right. Um, and shitty so, teams become relevant on on a turn versa. of the dime. You know, like right. It and and not even and relevant in like a being good way, but just relevant. Like, well, and and even just this whole idea that this team had uh, Butler and Tibbs and it went to the playoffs and now Butler and Tibbs are proving themselves right. to be these phenomenal people aside from the Wolves right. uh, is, you know, is, is that a cost of cynicism? Sure. But it's also it's a fascinating a, a tentacle. Sign, yeah. A sign. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things that could be going on. And Chris Finch, um, I think, is. Uh, certainly for the Timberwolves, I think he has the possibility to be the best coach since Rick Adelman, who didn't make the playoffs mm-hmm. his three years on, on the job, but did show a competence from the sidelines that was heartening. And um, he had some bad luck and then his wife got ill and he voluntarily retired because he was pretty checked out the last half season he was here. But well, that's high there price. Was definitely... I agree. I, I actually, I like Chris Finch a lot. I think that, um, you know, we'll see how it goes because. Well, the interesting as, part is we're going to have to like integrate eye test with numbers, with understanding right. personalities into the assessment of Chris Finch. Because if you just, again, like we talked about, if you just use numbers, like differences that Chris Finch is making are not going to be apparent. But if you, but, but if you're not, if you're watching the game, you can tell there are clearly differences, you know, forming well first of all are they more fun to watch yeah easy by far and why is that because you see players in positions to do cool things and because cats play definitely (laughs) 
couldn't couldn't agree more. But Anthony Edwards is not nearly as clueless on offense as yep. he was at the beginning of the season. Uh, Jade McDaniel's is being allowed to blossom now. That's not Ryan's fault, but it is mm-hmm. a manifestation of Finch being hired. Sure. There are a variety of things you could say, and D'Lo is a different player. Let's face it, mm-hmm. D'Lo did not enjoy the Ryan Saunders experience. That was very, very obvious. And we didn't even talk about this, and we won't because we're running out of time. But D'Lo being okay with all the things that are going on right now um, and him being a sixth man after all the trials and tribulations, and he's finally back with healthy with Cat. Diplomatic D'Lo. Diplomatic D'Lo. So that's that's another uh, definitely something to watch for. Well, we'll be back and we'll talk next week more about, yeah, he is the variable, man. And I don't have my head wrapped around. Is D'Angelo Russell, yeah. you know? Oh, without a doubt. He is, uh, if D'Lo can be even close to a two-way player and also be somebody who can get you points in bunches right. but know when not to try to do that, then that'll really help. Oh, he's like he's like that, uh, you know, like that those people in the park where they like they have you pick a card and then they slide the cards around. They're like, follow yeah, the queen, right. follow the queen, and you know they're sliding them all around. And you like right. have to if you pick it up, you win ten bucks or whatever. Right. Right. That's the D-Lo experience, and we just gotta pick up. You know, you gotta pick up the right. There card. you go. All, All right. right, he's Britt Robson. Yeah, we got, we got, we're never short of analogies. <laughs> Britt Robson, at Britt Robson on Twitter. I'm Dade Moore, at Dade Moore NBA. I'll be back to talk um, after the next Jazz game on Monday night. Um, I don't even want to go in to speculate whether or not if they win or lose that game. I would assume the Jazz win it, but, you know, we will see. Thanks for doing it, Britt, and I will talk to you all Monday night. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.